Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Real Life Work Podcast. My name is Kevin McManus. I'm hosting the podcast for you today as I do each week. It is the end of January 2023. I hope that your first month of this calendar year has been an effective, profitable, and most importantly, fun one. Today's topic is measuring leadership. And on my website, I've got Articles that have to do with measuring leadership behavior effectiveness, measuring leadership work system effectiveness, and those articles came about over time. And I started thinking about this the other day because I've been given a very hard look at the elevator speech for operational excellence. What are the essential things that have to occur in order for operational excellence not only to be achieved, but to be sustained? And I've seen a lot of organizations do this as applicants and recipients of the Malcolm Baldrige National Quality Award process. And the way they run their organizations is different than the 90% or more of the other organizations that don't apply for or receive this award. And I think those differences are significant, and I've been trying to explain those differences to people for 20 years. Leadership, of course, is key to that. It's a cornerstone. It's, It's where the change has to happen. But when I would say you need to change your leadership work system, that doesn't resonate with anyone. And I started thinking about that and it doesn't really resonate with me either as a frontline leader. You know, it makes sense to me as a Baldrige examiner, but what does you need to improve your leadership work system mean as a frontline leader? How does that affect my daily job as a frontline leader? And more importantly, how does it relate to operational excellence? So I kept thinking about it a bit more and I said, well, wait a minute. How did I get into doing what I do now? When I started, I was just an industrial engineer helping organizations improve through the industrial engineering department. And that could be small process-focused projects, it could be large capital projects. But it's engineering-driven process improvement, largely with a project focus, We did have a few quality circles, you know, process improvement teams. We provided support to those teams, but I was primarily supporting continuous improvement as a project-based engineer for expense and capital projects. And then I made a change, and I went to a different type of organization where they expected leaders to do things differently, and the jobs of the leaders were designed differently to make that happen. And this was every leader in the facility. And if you got involved as a quality circle leader and a significant percentage, you know, 30% of the workforce did, you also went into that leadership work system. And at that time, I didn't talk work systems. I, you know, I talked quality circles. I talked process improvement, problem solving, that type of thing. And so we're helping these teams be successful. 65% of the workforce is engaged. It's still the one of the best models I've ever seen. I've seen others mirror the model. I haven't seen others necessarily build on what is obviously a very successful models back in the mid 80s and still, still exists. But anyway, these teams were successful. They were successful to a high degree. I'm still an engineer supporting both the teams and the capital and major expense improvement project efforts. Okay, this model works pretty good because we get the step change from our projects driven by the engineering group, and then we get our incremental change from a continuous improvement effort on the part of the quality circles. And with that significant percentage of the workforce, 65% engaged, it worked out. Okay, 
Well, when you're improving like that, you have a great culture like that organization, there's only so many places to go as a leader. And I wanted more than what I had in that 200-person facility. And you know how it is when you're 10 years out of university. And so I sought out something better, and I came across a man named Don, and Don wanted me to help him with his change effort. And again, it would be driven through the industrial engineering group, but Don wanted something different. Don was ahead of me when it came to studying how all this worked. Don had already started to put quality circles into operational groups in another major food company before leaving that company and crossing paths with me at the food manufacturer we worked together at. Don wanted every leader involved, and he wanted, in essence, me to come up with a process, come up with a system that would get all these leaders involved. And so I started figuring out ways to do that, you know, helping create performance measures for them, creating training modules so they could learn the training, trying to set up training events so they had a chance to learn how to use this stuff. And as I tried to help them out, I also started to realize they don't have a whole lot of time for this type of work. And I was there five years, both as an industrial engineering manager and then as a production manager. And we tried to find ways to practice proactive process improvement. We tried to find ways to engage a very traditional workforce that was used to very traditional management. But it was hard to move things off of that model where engineering drove most of the change in that organization. And we tried to get the folks involved, but it just was not the culture when I was there. But that was the effort. And what it gave me insight into was how you need to start changing the job of the frontline leader in order to sustain your improvement effort. And that came to be, you need to change the frontline leader's job if you want to change a work culture. So when you change the job design of your frontline leaders, your middle managers, even your CEOs, your presidents, your directors, your vice presidents, you're changing the design of your leadership work system. But most people just don't look at it that way. So in reflection, in just the last one, two, maybe two and a half years, I started realizing it wasn't about work system improvement. And it wasn't about process improvement near as much as it was coming up with a new form of leader standard work that was both measurable and supportive of the current work culture, the current work environment, the current customer demands, not those that existed 40 years ago or even 30 years ago or even 20 years ago. And that was very interesting to me because I had not thought of it in that light. Because I grew up on time studies, when I heard leader standard work, it made me think of time studying leaders. And that gets into this very strange argument. You know, should we measure professionals that way? Now, my counter argument has always been, if I am going to measure with a stopwatch a person who makes $15 to $20 an hour, I somehow need to measure the person that makes five times or 10 times or even more than that per hour. There has to be evidence of contribution and it has to be more than just the output of the facility you're in charge of. 
or even the output of the department you're in charge of. I cannot see how your daily efforts translate into that output. I can see how your people's daily efforts translate into that output, but it's much harder to see how your contributions translate into the metrics you're trying to say are reflective of your personal success. And that's about where I was three years ago when the pandemic hit and then the pandemic hit and I started applying Baldry's much more internally as a sole proprietor of a, of a business, started working more with organizations, 5, 10, 15, 20 people. They don't speak high-level process improvement language, but they sincerely want to improve. They don't know tons of cost formulas and cost lingo, but they know they have waste that they have to reduce in order to reduce their cost and improve their profits. They don't talk about operational excellence, but they definitely want to come up with a better workplace and keep their staff employed. And often these are much more family environments than they are what we found in our larger organizations. And I prefer the smaller businesses anyway. So what it comes down to is we need a different type of leader standard work for this next generation workplace. We have a workplace now that wants more inclusion, wants diversity to be validated every day. Everyone wants a chance to be engaged in their own fashion. And just at the end of last year, we had another year of Gallup Q12 engagement survey results come out. I believe there's at least 15 or more years in that trend line now and that percentage still hovers between 30 and 40 percent and from a baldrige examiner's perspective one of the primary reasons is what business leaders think are the key engagement factors for their workforce are not what the true engagement factors are for the workforce so we have to think about what does this new leader standard work look like And so when I pulled this podcast together, I said, I'm going to take some of the top pages from my site, greatsystems.com, over the years, and some of the key content from my Teach It Yourself workbooks that I sell on Amazon, and I was going to try to put it all into one package. You know, should process improvement be optional for leaders? What does this next generation leader standard work look like? So to me, that's the first question. And To let you know how this plays out, there's three ways I look at leader standard work now. There's the behavior side, which is how the leader conducts themselves while they're on stage, while they're at work, while they're in front of their folks. And since cameras can be on at any time, while they're in the facility on company property in a company vehicle. But there's the behavior piece. Second, there's where we spend our time from a time buckets or time investment perspective And then third, how effectively do we spend the time we spend in those standard work areas, so to speak? We also want to look at what I call settings for excellence, where leaders, in essence, earn a certain amount of time in their job based on the number of people they have. And you can scale that. But at the same time, if you're supervising 10 people, that requires a certain amount of time each week to take care of those 10 people to support those 10 people. And you can determine that ratio. You can set that ratio based on the skill levels of your folks, the complexity of your job, the safety, risk, security considerations associated with the the work, things of that nature. 
But the point is you want to start with this conceptual foundation that does have a quantitative, a ratio-based focus to it. So should process improvement be optional for leaders or not? And I'll get on to some specifics with that here in just a minute. And then how do we want our leaders to be engaged on a consistent basis? So we're looking at where they invest their time, how efficiently they spend that time in those areas when they do spend it there. And then third, that overarching modeling of the desired operational excellence behaviors, you know, supporting the mission, vision, values, and strategic intent of the organization. And the leadership behavior index, which I learned from Federal Express almost 30 years ago, is still one of the best models out there, and there's others that mirror it now. But it, it still is one of the best ways to get a bottom-up assessment as to whether each leader supports what the organization's after from their team's perspective. Plenty of examples on the website. So what I had to do was, I had the leadership index to help me look at the behavior side. And I had experience with applying that in multiple organizations. Normally what we would do, we would take the 11 statements that are on the original FedEx index or the variation of it. I've never seen the original, so I can't say what the original 11 statements actually are. It's not the point. The point is the 11 statements should align with the mission, vision, values, and strategic intent of your business unit or your coffee shop or your construction site. It doesn't have to be complicated. But if you look at the list, they tend to be representative of the types of behaviors and actions you see in high-performance organizations. And you can do the whole expectations definition and consensus reaching thing on the left-hand side of the leadership index. You're coming up with what are your 11 statements that are reflective of your organization and never measure performance against them. That'll gain you something. But it's when you measure performance against those expectations, and even if you just let the leader survey their people themselves and compare their own results over time, you will see more significant change. And you can customize this. You can add a question or two. You can modify the verbiage. You know, make it your own. You know, the design of it to where we want a high percentage of our responses in the agree or strongly agree columns, that's just natural good survey design. And then that gives us that agree-disagree element in the center for the areas of inconsistency that currently exist that we want to look to move upwards with. And so I've never had to implement this index in terms of attaching significant consequences to it. You know, the leadership teams I've worked with did not see the need to do that. And once we had practiced it and rolled it out over the course of a year, the results were there and were not indicative of needing, you know, negative consequences of that nature. I just don't think it fits in today's world. Most people, when they see the expectations and they see the folks at the top are committed to these expectations, they will opt out if this is what the future leadership model is going to look like. So it's key to clarify the expectations up front. At this point, however, we're still conceptual. That's why I call it overarching. 
There's nothing in those list of 11 statements about spending half my time on projects or 70% of my time with my team or my stakeholders versus working alone. And those are key ratios in setting up your new leader standard work uh, setup. You know, what percent of the time do you want leaders working alone? You know, you can give them a range, but give, give, you know, define it within 20 to 30 percent, for example, you know, 10 percent upper and lower. It makes a huge difference when we can sit there across from someone, start putting their job design together and say, now I expect you to be with your people 60 to 70 percent of your time each week. And they can come back to me and say, how can I do this? Right now, you currently have me in meetings over half of my time. And so we start actually realizing how the structure of so many jobs has gotten out of hand. And we just did not realize it. Now, internally, Microsoft has started picking up on this and the My Insights elements that are within the Microsoft Teams package is doing a nice job of helping leaders better balance their personal time, their growth time, their time with their teams, their time in meetings. And that's where all this has to go. So the Leadership Index helps us manage the belief side of things. And you can do it formally uh, as part of your annual culture survey. You can do it quarterly with pop-up surveys. You can do it randomly with pop-ups. You can give leaders low-code or no-code apps that allow this to go straight into an Excel so they can just check things themselves. My experience has been you give them the first set of metrics. You give them a concrete set of how to improve actions to take to improve in each of the 11 areas. You give them support if they need someone to talk to or ask questions to. You give them a second checkup measurement about six to nine months in, that's often enough to get most of them over the hump. And like I said, a small, very small, less than 5% will drop out. There'll be five to 10, 15% of folks that are super good at self-managing. And the others will work well with the coaching that you provide. I'm quite happy to go into more detail, but that does cover the behavior side quite well. And I've seen it work across multiple types of organizations over multiple, almost generations of workforce now. Okay, so now let's look at the other side, the proactive process improvement side, the time bucket side. You know, where are we going to have leaders support process improvement teams? Where are we going to have leaders do daily things that help them manage the processes they own much more proactively. And you could be a middle manager or a director and 75% of your job time is spent holding meetings. You hold three to four different meetings a day. You do that four out of five days a week. You get a day out a week to work on your own time, but you still end up with the one-on-one -on -one phone call meetings. But by the time you add it all up, you've probably done about 20 formal meetings during the course of the week. Now, you can manage each of those meetings as a process. They have a cycle time. They have a cost. They have the potential for defects. I sincerely hope they had objectives that we can at least track the percent attainment of. And we would like to think we could get feedback from the customers of those meetings as to how effective they thought the meetings were. There's more on meeting effectiveness we can get into, but that's just one particular example, if you happen to be a leader where 75% of your time is running meetings or you're a 
business unit trainer or a site trainer where 80% of your time is spent either setting up meeting rooms or conducting training sessions. Often your time buckets are three to five major buckets. The point is, once you start looking at what's already in the buckets, like Dr. Covey shows us with the big rocks, if we don't put the big rocks in first, we run out of time for research and development, personal growth, learning, process improvement, measurement, all the improvement stuff. Because we go and give the limited time we have to supporting the value stream or working even within the value stream. The question is, how effective are those support efforts? And should we even be working in the value stream if we serve in a leadership capacity? So I will not belabor this too much here, but on my website, you'll find a page that talks about how to improve work team leader effectiveness. And it talks about my personal Kaizen Operational Excellence Certificate approach. And Don, going back to the candy plant back in the 90s, late 90s, Don wanted me to make those supervisors change. He was probably even more direct than that, but he wanted me to help them change. And so I came up with a process that I didn't refine while I was there. I moved a lot further ahead with the feedback from some super folks at the freight company when I worked there. And by the time I you know, got to my third iteration, as with many of my processes, it was starting to make some sense. It worked for me as a plant manager. It works for my supervisors. It's not super complicated. And there's details on how it works in the PDF that you can download from the website. I'm also quite happy to talk about it at any time. Now, again, like the leadership index, you can define the requirements and never follow up with measurement to see if they actually are achieved or not. It, that sounds silly to say that, but that's what a lot of folks do. They make the list, but they never look to see if the list is completed or what percent of the list was completed or how well the list was completed. Hey, we made a list. That's not the goal here to let's come up with our own certificate requirements, roll them out and go for it and then never do anything else. It doesn't work that way. And I define the one month, two month, three month follow-up periods that are a must. I define the daily five to 10 key numbers, costs and counts that need to be captured. The five to 10 key defects or problems that affected the processes each leader owns. And this is not the kind of thing you'll do for now until the end of time. Because once you learn how to refine your processes, you learn what leader standard waste looks like. And better yet, you even reach consensus as a site, business unit, organization as to what leader standard waste is. And if you're super proactive, you'll actually start measuring what percent of our leaders' time each week is currently leader standard waste. And what needs to change to get rid of that waste? So these are the tools that worked for me. Leadership index, capturing five to 10 key costs and counts for the processes I own each day, sharing performance information to my teams each day in a very scoreboard summary type fashion, 
and then finally capturing my five to 10 key problems in a database each day. Do that for 60 working days, three months, 20 days a month on average. Summarize your information each month. Look at your trends. You'll have nice, a nice number of data points. You'll learn some things. Start interfacing with your folks, getting ideas, because if you want the numbers that you're capturing to improve, you're going to need their ideas and help and ownership to help make it happen. And I'd love to give you recognition if you actually completed this. And when I work with folks on the process, you know, we're virtually connecting every couple of weeks or so. We touch base by email or text if we need to just to, you know, help them get over humps. But the key is I can follow their reporting requirements on a daily basis. I can see if they're using the tool. And if we stay with this for those 60 days, they develop those new daily work habits that are necessary to practice proactive process improvement. And once you start seeing the patterns of your problem numbers and problem process areas over the course again of 60 days, it becomes nagging enough that you want to do something about it. And as you get to know your people and they start giving you feedback and thoughts and they realize you're serious about change, all of you will start working together to help make a difference. So this isn't anything Kevin dreamed up. These are things Kevin has learned from other organizations, experimented with himself in his own organization, shared with others and watched them have success with. And these are things we continue to refine over time. And they don't have to be punitive. And we don't have to be regimental with how we apply the numbers. The goal is we want to improve. The numbers give us a way of measuring if we're improving or not. And if we're not achieving the numbers, it's shame on both of us, both the coach and the person being coached. So give all this some thought. Take a look at the two pages on my website. One is how to measure leadership behavior in organizations. The other is how to create effective work team leaders. Those are both on greatsystems.com. There's a PDF handout for my Operational Excellence Personal Kaizen Certificate. It has examples of each of the tools I've talked about here. I've used this process in healthcare, manufacturing, transportation, not-for-profit, uh, energy, all different types of organizations. So I'm comfortable that it works. I'm comfortable it does not have to be complicated. What I have not done is turn it all into an app yet. So there you go. Quite happy to have your interest and your questions and your thoughts. This is Kevin McManus from the Oregon Forest and Great Systems, hoping that you have a very productive remainder of 2023. For now, I'm going to go out and try to improve something. I hope you do the same. Keep improving.